drop. Hey everybody, my name is Christian Wynn, the director of Story Fort. Just wanted to send a little message to all um, at this very interesting and challenging and, and difficult time. Um, we're going to keep this podcast rolling. You have found Story Fort Presents Voices of Tree Fort Music Fest, which is a weekly podcast that dives into the stories behind Boise's Festival of Discovery. Tree Fort Music Fest brings in hundreds of artists from all over the globe every March, but this year in September. Um, and we're here to tell you about all things Tree Fort. The episode I'll just tell you about real quick is one we recorded um, when we first started this podcast. or started recording this podcast back in the fall. Um, we have a few like, evergreen episodes. This is one on podcasting, and it grew out of a Story Fort event we had last year, which was called Why Podcasting Sucks and Why We Still Love It. So you're going to get introductions to the folks in the studio here in a sec, but uh, I was on there with Larry Rosen, one of our wonderful team of podcast hosts. And yeah, right now, things are complex. Um, The world is, as many of you know, I would say maybe all of you know, is kind of uh, in a serious crisis. But we still want to keep this podcast rolling to connect with, you know, our artist friends, our fans, just people curious about what's going on out there. And so we'll be checking in each week with a with an intro um, to kind of get you up to date on where we're at. But uh, at this point, our Festival of Discovery is going to take place uh, September 23rd, 2020 um, through 27th, I guess that is. So September 23rd through 27th. And we just want to really encourage everybody to, um, amidst all the, the chaos, it takes moments for yourself um, and your friends and your family and part of your family, for many of you, um, is you know your Tree Fort family. So you can go to treefortmusicfest.com and check out kind of what's next for Tree Fort. There's been a lineup announcement. We're super stoked that a ton of the bands are back in September. Um, a ton of our Story Fort artists are going to be, you know, that are currently or were currently going to be uh, part of our, our festival this coming week. Um, are coming back. So we have gotten a ton of support, as has everyone um, in our family and with all the forts. So that said, you know, you can check out, you know, sort of what we're we're planning on our, on our website and uh, just keep, uh, keep yourself healthy out there. You can support local artists. You can, um, you know, download our band's music and read some of our Story Fort artists' books. And just stay, stay connected and, and, you know, try to find a, you know, sliver of hope and joy. And um, just, hey, we'll see you at the fest. Come around and over me. Story Fort presents Voices of Tree Fort Music Festival. I am your host, Larry Rosen, and along with me is Christian when director of Story Fort itself. Hello. Good afternoon, yeah, Mr. Wynn. Today we've got something a little special, a little different for you today. We called upon our brain trust of podcast experts to help us get this fledgling podcast off the ground. So what we're going to do for the next hour or so is go around the room and just get input from everyone, bounce some questions off them, get their experiences. 
Uh, so instead of waiting any longer, I'm going to go around the room and have them introduce themselves because there's frankly quite a few of them. So um, my name is Frankie Barnhill. I work for Boise State Public Radio, which is uh, the public radio station that covers most of Idaho. We also broadcast in Oregon a little bit and in Nevada. And yeah, we try to do some podcasts along with doing radio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you've hosted a podcast yourself, right? I have. I've hosted a few um, all through Boise State Public Radio's name. So uh, the first one was actually Speaking of Serial. So we took the second season of Serial and Ooh. then talked about it because Bo Bergdahl is an Idaho son. Oh, that's son. right. Yeah. Yeah. That was one. And then um, I also host, let's see, what else do I host? Oh, Want to Know Idaho, um, or I have been a host of Want to Know Idaho, um, but we've also kind of moved that around with different I- people in our Idaho's newsroom. Idaho's people-powered podcast. Correct. As opposed mm-hmm. to this one, which of course is powered by robots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's people-powered. Uh, that is a, a community engagement-centered um, podcast. I can tell you more about what that means later. It's kind of a buzzword. I think those are the ones. Yeah. Those are the ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to Lacey. We actually have Lacey and Joel, who are co-hosts of a, of a local podcast, that it's doing really well, right? You're in your fourth season. I, I think that's a measure of success. Absolutely. <laughs> My summer I, We're still here. <laughs> but I said I was going to let you introduce yourself, so go oh, for it. Lacey, yeah. you first. Okay. I'm Lacey Daly. Uh, I do, by day, work at Boise State Public Radio also. Um, but while I'm there... I do co-host. You know the place. I've worked on a handful of other podcasts, but this one's kind of our baby. And it's, uh, why don't you say the tagline? <laughs> you know the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast about all the places that you pass by but maybe have never stopped into. And it's really based around the your commute. You know, you pass by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of businesses and probably 99% of them you've never stopped into. It's so. Kind of like the eavesdrop studio. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to where we are right now, the eavesdrop studio, yeah. Now, and all I can remember is having to watch a video of you with your pants down getting a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that that was going to be on uh, for Unloop. so long behind <laughs> us. It was pretty impactful. So, yeah, I don't. Uh, impactful is maybe a, a, a generous word for it. Um, <laughs> What's your name, by the way? Oh, I'm Joel Wayne. Yeah, I'm I'm a contract producer for for the public radio affiliate here for a program uh, called uh, Readers Corner, which is both a broadcast uh, as a broadcast component and a and a podcast component, and then co-host co-producer uh, with LD here for you know the place. Yeah, and fiction writer as well. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do write some fiction as well. Uh, recently, I actually got a, a, a fellowship here through the through the Commission on the Arts. Yes. Nice. Lacey's a fiction writer as well. She I, knows. They met in. Uh, well, I think you met in the MFA program. We did. That Boise is correct. State, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Nick, you ready? I'm Nick Hua. I'm I'm new to Boise. I'm uh I'm the proprietor of a trade publication about the podcast industry called Hot Pod. I'm a contributing writer for New York Magazine and for Dear Vulture Entertainment Vertical, where I uh, write about podcast industry developments and review podcasts. I'm also working on a book uh, on some supposed to be an old history of podcasting. If I actually do finish it, but. so it's no mistake that this is the group of people that we've assembled because I was part of a uh, panel discussion with the same group. Uh, last year's story for it that was called Podcasting, Why We Hate It? Was that uh, why podcasting sucks? Why podcasting sucks. We and, don't hate it. And why we love why it. We and why we still love it. Yeah, yeah. they just sure. got the other part. And, yeah. and, and a lot of what we discussed during that panel discussion was ambivalence, love, challenges, 
Uh, I personally walked away from it feeling like a punk rock dinosaur, especially because of you, Nick, because I was like, wait, there's a podcast industry? <laughs> oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> but the nice thing, too, was to be able to, to hear from other podcasters who were doing it in a different way than I was. I'm, I, until I landed in this fabulous studio, I was more of in the basement guy. And you guys, we have Boise State Public Radio. Did I say that correctly? You got it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well represented here today. And I know, Frankie, a lot of stuff you do is 15-minute produced mm -hmm. segments. Right. Uh, I know you guys, you, you do, is everything mobile? Mobile mm, as meaning. in out in the field? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really the basis of it. And we, you know, there is a setup, obviously, in the studio when we nominate uh, these different places that we go to and we go back and forth on in terms of nominations. But then, yeah, we really try to make it, you know, 60 to 70% of it should be out in the field audio. Yeah. And that's a real challenge. It can be. Technically. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start with a general question because the idea here is we are starting this Story Fort podcast. It's kind of a long time in the making. We're excited. We're ambitious. I'm going to ask Nick, because he's the industry expert, is this a good time to start a podcast? Um, <laughs> yes and no, depending on what you want. Okay. Um, there, haven't, there hasn't been uh, more people listening. There, has been, there hasn't been more money flowing into the space. The sort of question is, um, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who is this for? And um, sort of the, the nature of the goals for you to carry it out. If, if the podcast itself is to be a business, uh, that has to attend to a number of questions um, that uh, for a lot of people are pretty difficult to interrogate, which is who is it for? Can you sell ads against them? Will they pay you money? Will they want to pay you money? Will you, do you have the motivation and the effort and the energy to put the effort into it? So on and so forth. Very sort of unsexy question that goes into the sexy work of creative, creative businesses. I do have a question, but maybe a quick follow up on that since uh, I've never put on a podcast before. I've been on a couple of podcasts, but uh, do you know of any other music festivals that actually have a there. podcast? I mean, this is a, my, we just decided to do it, and uh, we had, didn't do any research on other, like, <laughs> South by Southwest or <laughs> any place else. We just like, we're going to do this, right, Larry? Yeah. Well, so yeah. I'm curious if you know, since you are the, the insider of the industry probably the most um, at this table, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Do you know anything about that? I am aware of a few podcasts, uh, a few sort of festivals, not necessarily music, that use it as a way to sort of communicate with, mm. um, sort of let people know what, like, sort of what they're planning and, and stuff like that. But the, uh, but it's not, if the, if the point of starting a podcast is to um, let people know about bookings or, or future announcements, there are more efficient and effective ways to do that. However, if you are doing this largely because you want it, it's never been a better time to do what you want, whatever you want it, whether it's podcasting or not. So well, that's, that's a really good thing. point because it's easy. The bar, you know, the the bar to entry is fairly low now. It's always been low, but uh, because the barrier entry is low, therein lies the problem. Bar barriers to skill is high as a result. <laughs> it's like being a realtor. No, no offense, realtors. <laughs> <laughs> anybody could start a a, a band. Yeah, but uh, because anybody can, you know, put stuff together in GarageBand or start mixing tapes and whatever, um, the nature of say being a SoundCloud rapper means that it's incredibly hard to break out. So for every one little Nas X's X's, um, there are millions and millions of uh, people who didn't pop. So Christian, then 
Yes. What is our goal here? Well, <laughs> what are we doing? Here? We, I know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's in the title. You know, <laughs> Story Four presents. Um, you know, voices of Tree Four Music Fest. And so we try to just give voice to this really cool festival. It's a music festival, but it's also, um, gosh, it's, uh, Story Fort. Obviously, we have Story. We have Hack Fort. We have Kid Fort. We have Yoga Fort. And there's so much. Of, you know, the team of maybe at these meetings these days. There's like 80 people at these meetings, all for our team of you know, tree forters. And so there's so many stories. And at first we were thinking, I think it was Larry had done a podcast called Grotto Pod that was more literary. And that was kind of the initial idea, but that then was, we decided, yeah. we kind of morphed it into actually taking on the entirety of the festival because uh, that kind of represents tree fort overall better. And it also, we're not going to run out of things to talk about for a long time, I feel like. Um, and it will serve as, you know, a way to talk about artists coming and artists who are coming to the festival and who are coming or have been excuse me, at the festival but it's also just kind of the more behind the scenes stuff or this kind of stuff that you guys are talking about today yeah and i think i see it as a way too if if we have the opportunity to take someone who's appearing at tree fort and maybe you got to see them sing five songs and we can get them in here for an hour you can add that to your experience of watching them sing music and go oh now i know a little bit something about them as well so it's a companion piece I want to ask you guys, uh, Joel and Lacey, so four years in, I said, oh, that, that's a success, right? It, is it, do we measure podcast success like they measure cancer survival? <laughs> well, you're still around five years later, so you've survived. <laughs> no, I feel like we need to clarify. Yeah. Okay, not four years, four seasons. Four seasons. We do two seasons a year, but how, two years. How long are the seasons? How Ten many ep episodes. Ten episodes. Yeah. So we're, we're nearing 40 episodes, and that's like no small feat. Right. Especially because we're really just a two-person team, right? Like and it's, creating, producing, editing. It's very, and it, it seems to me like it's very production yes. heavy. Yeah. It is, again, more so uh, because of the in-the-field stuff that we do, uh, because we, we nominate, we go out into the field, we come back, we recap, and now we're, we're trying to do that. We're trying to create enough space uh, in terms of time in between um, when we go out and then come back so that we can really kind of sit on it and stew a little bit. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is production heavy, uh, you know, and then going through, obviously, and coming up with studio notes and audio notes and, and deciding what to keep and what to throw out. But wouldn't you say that it, 40 episodes means that we're doing something okay? I mean that people are still listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. And then again, we've we've gotten insight into to numbers, and I don't think they're too shabby for for the area. And then and now we have sponsors too. Yeah, I think that we just keep setting the bar a little higher for ourselves we're in terms of how to. we're defining success. Mm -hmm. um, we know that it's a hyper local thing, so numbers can't be explosive. But we do have something to compare them to. Working at the radio station and all the other you know on demand audio that we have, even if it's not podcasts specifically. Um, and if we know the audience is, audience is out there, we know that we can reach them somehow. But yeah, now we now we have sponsors. Right. Yeah, yeah. What kind of support do you get from the radio station, if any? Do you get to use their stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, part of my Tuesdays. Yeah. You get to use time, actual work time? Sometimes. Yeah. Honestly, I think that it was supposed to be you can use all of your work time to do it because it's presented, you know, it's a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. But what we found out is, you know, if you want to, breathe life into it, you're going to have to put in time on the weekends and at night. Well, and you just wouldn't get, you have so many other things that you're doing for work, you wouldn't get your other work yeah. done. Well, at, Bo at Boise State Public Radio, and maybe Frankie can answer this, um, there's several podcasts that are produced right now. Mm -hmm. 
if you went to if, if I went to Boise State Public Radio and I wasn't affiliated with them at all, but I said, I've got this podcast that I do called Is It Good for the Jews? And we've got 2,000 listeners already. Mm-hmm. I just need to use some stuff. Yeah. Is that something Boise State Radio might go, all right. Yeah. Well, just to clarify, I'm not in leadership at the radio station, right. so I can't super, you know, really speak to that, except to say that you know, I think in general, public radio stations are find, trying to find ways to whether build their own podcasts that are owned, the intellectual property being owned by the public radio station, or partnering with out, you know, independents and trying to find that line, you know, as who's who owns that IP and what does that look like, and would then the radio station want to have some editorial control, or could it just be a partnership um, where you know there's some shared underwriting or uh, ad copy on both podcasts mm-hmm. potentially? Like I think there there's definitely a lot of different models, and public radio uh, is recognizing, I mean, has been recognizing for years that needs to be in the podcasting space. To what extent and how does that look varies mm-hmm. widely across the system. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like the stuff that you've done, the podcasts you've done, are radio pieces. Right. So um, when I, you know what, I forgot because I continue to forget all the things that I've done in recent it, in the last it, it only several more. months. Is uh, another one, and Lacey was involved with this too. Was Boise State Public Radio did set aside significant resources and time um, to devote to an investigative podcast called Locked that we produced um, over the spring and summer of 2019. Um, And uh, so that one was a a totally new thing for us. Um, We had a lead reporter who was, um, because of her uh, affiliation with a collaborative that we, um, we are part of and we are the lead station on, she was able to set aside several months of her time to do an investigative podcast, which is unusual. Most of the time, it's that you're doing the podcast in a public radio station alongside uh, your other work, right? And that you have to make those two work together. So to answer your question about other podcasts that I've done, Want to Know Idaho, for example, um, I kind of think about it both for broadcast and for podcast. How can I, uh, you know, repurpose the content so that I'm serving both of those audiences? Um, and, you know, quite frankly, serving editors who want things on the radio, but who also want to see a thriving podcasting, um, you know, sphere develop through the through the radio station. And, and yeah. actually, that brings up a good point that I'll throw out to the whole room. So what is the difference then between something you can do on the radio and a podcast? Is it just length? And sometimes it's, yeah, yeah, that's easy. Sometimes, I mean, it's semantics to some degree. I mean, like you can hear, you know, what Radio Lab does on the radio is fantastic podcast, you know, and their content sounds kind of like a podcast. Um, I mean, you can call anything a podcast, I suppose. But in my mind, I think more along the lines of, yeah, the the time doesn't matter. You The content drives how long the podcast should be. It's not about hitting a clock during morning right. edition. It's that this story deserves this amount of time, and I'm going to take the time to tell it. Um, narrative storytelling, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of the reporter potentially, if it's if it's from a, a public radio station, being able to have a little bit more. Um, narrative voice in the podcast episode versus what they might get to do with their radio editor who might say, let's take you out of this. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's my view, at least. Yeah, an editor, what's that? Um, <laughs> I think that's, yeah, so I think I agree with all of those too. Um, licensing certainly is another component right. of it as well. Um, you know, for, for the promos that we run for uh, for, you know, the place, 
because those are broadcast promos, we're able to use, <laughs> we can go through and use anything in terms of a music bed underneath it, which oh, is fantastic. Yeah, you know, is. it's like we can use a Beatles song and you don't have to think about it at all. But, you know, for the stuff that we've done uh, that that's going to be digital only, we we pull strings, you know, and, and talk to, talk to friends, you know, and our, 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 um, our theme music is somebody that I graduated from high school with, you know, <laughs> That's who's just in a band. Way to do it. So yeah. 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 Who's been very generous as, about as like, long, Hey, yeah, pull, pull uh, anything you want. As long as you brought up music, Nick, is there a definitive rule on using music? Uh, before I attend to that, I kind of want to go back to the previous question because I disagree. Oh. Um, <laughs> Wait, what do you disagree with? Yeah, no, um, I, gotta, I need a reminder. There are like greater our... differences between uh, oh. experiences manufactured for radio and podcasts and the fundamental differentiators control. Um, with the linear broadcast radio experience, uh, you, as a listener, you either drift in and out of the experience, right? You step into your car, you turn it on. It's not necessarily you do that 3 p.m. on the dot. You probably will do it 3 7, 3 12. In which case, you come in 12 minutes, 7 minutes post the beginning of that experience. And so certain kinds of um, programming uh, work better uh, for that kind of setting in which you're, you're, kind of, you're assuming that the, that the audience drifts in and out. Other kinds require a commitment from the audience from the very beginning. So uh, a fair few fiction podcasts or investigative podcasts or true crime podcasts that require a serialized kind of a complex storytelling, it really, really requires the listener or and the, the audience to know facts that have been established in the first five, five minutes, first 12 minutes. So there's a way in which um, something like going back to Serial, the, you know, the, the origin of Big Boom in 2014, um, there's a way in which that show could not have worked as well on the radio. Of course, historically speaking, we can never really, really run that experiment. But that show is really complex. That show, if you didn't catch the first five minutes, uh, you do not have the why of, of why you're sticking around. And so th there is a way in which the, the, the context on a content level is different. The other thing that's also really significant to note is that like, um, you, you can sort of apply this thinking to just about every other medium, right? So movies, for example. Um, you, the general understood experience of watching a movie is either you go into a theater in which there, it's a very, very established setting. The other way you can think about it is, or the other variant of it is the cable movie. Some movies we can say better for cable, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so that kind of relationship <laughs> thinking should be applied to that question. I forgot the, the other question that you asked. The other question was about, it was a sidebar. It was, it was about legal usage of music. Currently it's an evolving uh, copyright um, question. And it, we're, we're seeing sort of three or four legal firms and three or four like major sort of publishers of podcasts trying to hash it out. Uh, right now, there's the there's a fictitious and not actually true. It's fictitious, right? Yeah, it's not like you know if you do like what thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah that's not actually grounded a lot. It's just largely the fact that, that no uh, music distributor has acted against it because, like, the person using it probably doesn't make any money. So what's the point? <laughs> I had a guy tell me I'm I'm, I'm editing for a guy who's doing a, a story podcast, mm -hmm. and he said his lawyer told him that. He said I went to a lawyer, and he said, Oh yeah. 30 seconds or less and you're good. Yeah. I said, I don't think so. I had a doctor tell me that the only way to figure out whether you're allergic to something is to put your face in it. So just because the person is <laughs> doesn't it, it's not really, doesn't mean that they're right. Well, that explains Scarface. Um, <laughs> but to kind of go back to what we were just talking about, the difference between radio and podcasting, while you were coming to your conclusions about it, 
I was thinking about a phenomenon where radio shows, and I'm actually thinking of sports radio shows, will just kind of package them up, throw that day's episode, you know, release it as a podcast. And you're right, it, it, there's something off about it. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. To some extent, but you know, we should not overlook the fact that ESPN drives a significant amount of podcast listening uh, off like Dan Libertard's you know, radio shows that they just repackage and put it on, which you know, comes back to a sort of a core rule. If people want something, it doesn't right. really matter how you give it to them, as right. long as you give it to That's them. That's what I was gonna say, even if it's not created for mm-hmm. podcasts, it's still available on demand. <laughs> Which I think the on-demand is, part's important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's the big key to it. I almost feel like those are podcasts for people that don't listen to podcasts. Yes, though. I agree. I've said that before. <laughs> is is podcast listening generational? To some extent, yeah. The same way the technology is generational. Um, Kurtz and I are at the old edge, and yeah, that's think. probably true. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys want to stay for the record? Your ages? Oh, I'm 54. I'm. You 50. look so much younger. Thank you. I'm 52. Wow. He looks way Both younger. You look so much yeah, younger. never would have guessed. Clean living. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do sort it. Sort of. 10th Street hanging out. Clean living and stress free lives. <laughs> and boundless success. And you're both yes. Shriners, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course. All right. Yeah. Obviously. I, I, okay. Speaking that of timelines, so maybe I I don't know. I'm, you know, kind of the noob, newbie here. You're the, speaking what's, of what's, speaking what's, of age, I said you were a babe in the woods. <laughs> yeah, and Nick said, oh, I mean like the pig? Oh. oh it's also worth noting I'm not from this country. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that'll do, baby. Yeah, that'll do. Okay. Um, I, when... How long have podcasts been around? I mean, all of a sudden they were around. I became aware of them maybe 10 plus years ago, but, it, you know, I didn't really get into them. I kind of, you know, listen to plenty now, but I'm not like a, a junkie, but I don't know. how. I, I mean, can... Nick, you'd probably be able to answer that, Larry. Well, I, 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 this is a, a perfect know. time for me to plug this. It's October 4th, 2019. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. It might be. New York Magazine just finished publishing a week-long package run podcast thing, uh, and I wrote a sort of historical essay for it um, oh. that lays out oh, okay. the precisely the sort of historical moment up until the, the present. Uh, it was the technology itself was invented in the early 2000s. Invented makes, makes it sound really formal. It was sort of cobbled together. Happened upon. Happened upon. Um, there were there are multiple waves of people who made stuff, but largely um, the beginning you can sort of peg it around two thousand three, two thousand four, um, and it sort of stretched past the recession into two thousand fourteen. And the argument I made in the essay is that it's broken up to three discrete eras. So you know, October, okay. whatever you're listening to this, go back to New York Times, y'all. It's New York Magazine. New York Magazine. Okay, find it New York right. Magazine website. Well, I I would uh, sorry. Okay, so go for it, Larry. I, I would tend to agree because. Serial, you, you actually referenced Serial earlier as a watershed moment in podcasting. It changed podcasting. It's a contentious point, but yes, yes I would personally argue that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I actually probably was listening to more podcasts before that because mm-hmm. I was a fan of what are they, are they called chat podcasts now? Conversationals. Conversational yeah. podcasts, yeah. And I would say those, I don't know who invented it because it always seems like there's someone claiming they invented it. But I had always heard that Adam Carolla was the one who put it on the map. Contentious point. <laughs> <laughs> who are some other names? Um, two other, so the principal figure is a gentleman named Dave Weiner, himself a little controversial. Uh, he's uh, sort of a technologist. He worked on the RSS format, which was the underlying sort of technology for blog, blog publishing, sort of cobbled together an audio equivalent of it. 
uh, two early, early practitioners that worked in conjunction with Dave Weiner is one is Adam Curry. Uh, he's a former MTV uh, VJ, and he sort of started the first community, so, sort of commercial-minded What podcast. was the name of the podcast? Uh, the Adam Curry, uh, the Adam Curry show, or um, oh, Pod Show, Pod Show. I think it was what it was called back then. Uh, and then the other gentleman is Christopher Leiden, a former New York Times journalist, a former BUR journalist. Uh, sort of worked together Dave Weiner after he was pushed out of BUR. Had this entire thinking about we need to work past the traditional mainstream sort of media gatekeepers that brought us into the Iraq War. So there's there's a bit of pol- uh, political ideology and at the core of it, and then the other side is a little bit of just a commercial core of it as well. Uh, which, you know, nobody really talks about because that's prehistory at this point. Well, we're in the midst of this history lesson, um, which is great. <laughs> uh, what podcast, the word, the phrase, Pod. where did that come from? It was Pod. an iPod, right? iPod and Just broadcast. an iPod, that's straight up. Yeah, okay. uh, it was coined by a Guardian columnist named Ben Hammersley. He cobbled it together because he just needed a line to fill oh. up his column. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Origin story. Sometimes these things happen. Yeah, because as you were saying, I was I can't remember what we listened to them, how we listened to podcasts before iPhones. I guess it was on my iPod. It was on my yeah. iPod Shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm at a loss. That's it. Um, <laughs> that, that's it. We're done. <laughs> no. Um. So there was something else that I was going to talk about as far as independent versus. There was, I just want to throw in this random, uh, if anybody watched Arrested Development, the pre, the first three seasons, there's a reference. I think it was in 2006. That is so fun. I just heard that. Yeah. yeah. It was a podcast Yeah, the third season, um, because it's uh, George, his uh, twin brother, what's his name, um, who he always frames for Oscar. his crimes, Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Oscar first had a blog, and then the next season he said, maybe I'll do a podcast this time. Yeah. And that was like 2006, so... Yeah. An early reference. Early reference podcasting. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm going to get it back on the indie versus corporate train because here's what I remember. I just remember what I wanted to say, and that is the difference between – and actually, I want to ask you guys if you are able to avail yourself of this. The difference between the marketing resources available to you as a member of a podcast syndicate or a team or a radio station seem, from my position in the basement, to be – Legion. Is that true? <laughs> you're sort of, I, and the impression I got from you guys at the panel discussion we did back at StoryForms, you're sort of in between those worlds. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Well, and I think it depends. I don't think it's, I don't think there's one story there by any means. Uh, you know, for, for us, it does split the difference a little bit. We seem to have a little bit. So we get, you know, I mean, in terms of the, the promos, broadcast promos, we're getting access. That's That right there is, is a big deal because we're getting access to a large audience. But you can also debate the crossover audience. if we're really reaching the people That's we true. reaching on the radio. Yeah. I would wonder that too. And, and public radio audiences always seem to skew a little old to me. No, they mm-hmm. do. Yeah. So it would be hard to talk him into this newfangled. Yeah. Right. Actually, um, people who listen to our podcast just in general, if I look at the numbers, um, a third of them are listening on web browsers. Well, and then we've gotten very, very used to the sheer amount of people who come up and or or will mention the podcast and they'll say, I've heard... um, of your podcast. <laughs> they haven't heard it. Right. They have heard of it because they've heard the promos. And they're expecting to hear it as if and it they're will be on the radio. And they're like, I'm not sure when that is. And it's like, what is When it does is your program air? Never. When yeah. does the yeah. program yeah. air? Yeah. yeah, it's Thursday Thursday mornings at 2 a.m. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, it does split the difference a little bit. I will say for us, um, 
getting sponsors in the door has made a bit of has, has uh, unlocked some stuff but for that us was totally of, grassroots by us that went, wasn't it was. that you wasn't the un, yeah that was not the underwriting team coming to us that was us saying this is an opportunity that other public radio stations are exploring in their podcasts nobody seems to be squatting on it here locally why don't we try it yeah and we did and, the research. And it was doing something in conjunction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I put together a sponsorship kit and put that that out there and went and reached out and pitched different different places, local businesses, places that hopefully have some crossover in terms of, of their, their clientele, their audience, or who they want to be their clientele or audience. Mm-hmm. So, so we did pursue that and then really kind of worked in conjunction pulling along our underwriting team about, hey, this is kind of a maybe a missed opportunity for you guys you know and then locked ended up coming out as well and that's not a that's not a broadcast i mean other than the the, the promo stuff Mm -hmm. and you guys were that was wildly successful in terms of in terms of numbers yeah but i mean leveraged in large part um well one thing was our collaboration with uh npr um npr one is an app that's pretty well known in the public radio space we were able to uh get a promo on npr one so people around the country or in other part in other countries would hear um a reference to our podcast so they could click through to listen and learn more which was huge for us yeah yeah so sure we have access to these tools but it is not like a given you know what i mean just because you're a radio a public radio station that makes a podcast doesn't make it a sure thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) to what degree just having the name behind you helps when you walk up to someone and say can you sponsor us we think it helps and hurts because i would say 70 percent of folks automatically assume we're bsu students they don't actually it's like it's a broader branding problem with what, the station what class are y'all in? wait yeah. wait you're, you're not yeah but then but then you can get in because they're like oh these students yeah. that's how and sometimes we don't even correct them i don't know yeah. that's why you take the candy bars with you right, right? exactly yeah. Yeah. i'm curious if any of the places you've just walked into and have turned have, out have been like your podcast venues have now turned out to be sponsors no No. okay (laughs) none of them have uh and but we have um i think we would be open maybe if it were in that direction where we we went to a place that we were just naturally curious about and then a season or two later if they reached out Mm -hmm. to us we might be open Mm -hmm. to that it's not pay to play kind of thing yes so we have had to shut down a lot of different uh, business, more and more businesses now who uh, who want to sponsor, but they want but they us want to that contingent upon yeah. going and doing an episode there, and that just feels not, like it play. doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like pay for. But play. you know the places on the frontier at Boise State Public Radio in terms of getting underwriters. You're, I think you're the only podcast that mm-hmm. has underwriters, and that's. I mean, it kind of speaks to you know. It, there are the entities that are very well established in this space, but there still is kind of that Wild West nature and just like prove it, you know, kind of proving the concept to uh, for us, you know, public radio um, folks who are used to a certain model and then kind of trying to figure out what that looks like for podcasts and what opportunities might exist. We do owe some of that to the fabulous Nick Kwa here, though. I yeah. did not come yeah, no, you, you <laughs> I think you came in and said what we needed to hear all along was just like, if you find value in this, other people might too, in the terms of like putting money. We're like, should we even shop this around? Is this silly? Are people going to look at us weird? But I don't know. You had this wise refrain of like, yeah, if you think it's valuable, don't you think other people would too? Yeah. Oh, but it, I mean, it's the, the sort of problem. I mean, this is moving past that, but like the specific wonky problem of businesses that you feature uh, being sort oh, of yeah. possible advertiser, that, that's a, right. you got to find a way to solve that problem. Yeah. I think there are, there are a couple ways you can do it, but yeah. Oh, we'll talk. Mm. 
you had mentioned, Joel, you had mentioned underwriting team. So yeah. does this mean that you did the underlying, the, the underwriting team is in place, but you do for the station, you did yeah. a lot of the work. Did they take it from there? Uh, they took it in terms of, of uh, writing out contracts oh, okay. from there. Do they um, manage the relationships now? So we did. So we had our first. Uh, we've had our first double season or two season sponsor. Uh, so they did. They did run point at least on that one, of of um, of the that sponsorship basically coming back and saying we want to resign on, uh, because they're the ones that handle the contract type of stuff for it. So we didn't have to repitch. We didn't run point on that. Um, so from a contractual standpoint, yeah, they've run point on okay. that. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise it's been um, it's been very kind of self motivated. We're pulling them along though, and I yeah. think that they're definitely seeing the value. I think before it was like, is it really worth spending time going out to sell something that's fifteen hundred bucks? You know, but I think that they're starting to see the value in it, and that they're having more faith that their clients would too. So I think they would even, I mean, I had a conversation the other day with one of them who said, we'd be happy to start the conversation with anybody. You just point us in the direction because I said, I don't think we'd want you to be pitching to your existing clients because I don't know, I don't want to slam anybody right here, but there are some that I just don't think would fit for the podcast. Yeah. That's not slamming. (laughs) No, honestly, that's not slamming. Yeah. But I would say though that so in terms of the the dollars and say you know it's to, to me it doesn't seem like that much money that we're asking for in terms of a full season kind of our baseline kind of package, but if that is at least um, paying for some of the marketing that we can do then and, and then maybe some of the other stuff that we're doing in terms of. Um, you know, even just going out in the field, we try to, we, we don't expect to get anything for free if we're doing something experiential. Mm-hmm. So even if we can have some of that stuff paid for, and we're not going to Hawaii, you know, or anything like that. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's going and shooting clay somewhere or, or scuba diving in Boise, Idaho. Um, Wait a minute. Nudist colonies mm-hmm. or nudist. Nudist you, uh, resorts. Yeah. Resort. Did yeah. you have to, did you have to pay for that tattoo? Yes, oh, yeah. I oh, felt really? like I'd, I didn't. I didn't know if I could. That write seems like off a weird t- thing to be reimbursed for. Your ass yeah, tattoos. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe it could have gotten it paid for if I if I had done the BSPR logo or something. Like <laughs> right. That. But you know, maybe we'd like to change that at some point. And I could have gotten the retro, like the KBSU <laughs> old school, and that's kind of a fun that's one. commitment. <laughs> to shift gears a little bit, I wanted to ask um, you two, visual radio here. Um, and have Nick comment too. When you conceptualize the show, did you consider doing it weekly versus doing seasons? And why did you choose seasons? And for Nick, what are the advantages and disadvantages of doing seasons versus a weekly show? <laughs> I think seasons for us made sense in terms of- Just time? Uh, yeah, we're just two people doing it with other full-time jobs that don't include the podcast, mm-hmm. either at all or mostly. Um, so yeah, for us, we just, um, we've got our, you know, when we drop an episode during the season, you know, it's, it is every week, but then we have a production week. We go dark during a production period. Um, and that's generally for the year, it's split pretty 50-50 um, in terms of production time and seasons, although we do two seasons a year. So it it's quarter by quarter, basically, that we do that. Do you think in addition to it's saving time or just realistic use of time, it it serves the format of the show as well? You might run out of places. Yeah, no, or? not at all. Oh, I, think, I don't think we I think would. it's great, and it makes yeah. people miss us. 
We go away <laughs> for a little go. while That's nice. and they want us to come back. And then it was the thought of, do we do a weekly release or do we release all 10 at once and then just start pushing hard? Right. Should oh. it be bingeable? Oh. Or Netflix, or it be yeah. But yeah. I don't think it's bingeable because it's very, it's very evergreen. It's not time oriented. And I think I like the opportunity to ping people's RSS feeds once a week to remind them in case they subscribed in the past and they haven't listened yet. Now you have a weekly reason to ping them. And that be, oh, I was just going to say, that being said, I totally would love to do more episodes per season. No. I think it would. No. I would love to do, I would love to do 15 episodes oh. or 20 episodes per season, but still have a production production time in between. I, th I think that's still important to be able to have a little bit of a break. What sort of promotions do you do when you're dark? Promotions to Instagram. Yeah, we Instagram hard. Instagram and <laughs> yeah. Facebook. Really? It's pretty much social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we run any. Uh, I don't think there's any broadcast promo type of stuff. Sometimes there's awareness campaigns that we we put on the air. I don't know how yeah. effective they are, but just because it's a tool that we can use. Mm -hmm. And how much time usually elapses between seasons? Let's see. We do a spring and a fall. So we wrapped up. Gosh. In June, July? I think it was yeah. July. Was it was July? It? Yeah, right. it might have been. And then we just dropped a end of September, so okay. a few months. And you, it seems like it's all eternity, and you want to take the first month to just not even think about it and go live under a rock, but you do that, and then you're just playing catch-up the whole next yeah, season. Yeah. which is kind of what we're doing right now. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to pretend everything's already... Everything's fine. Everything's already fine. produced, but... Yeah. Okay, Mr. Expert in the corner over here. What? <laughs> Ad advantages, disadvantages, pluses, minuses of weekly versus doing seasons. It's pretty straightforward. Um, you sort of like think about how your experience as a consumer is. Um, weekly is very good for keeping you in a constant, ongoing relationship with your audience, right? Not a lot of people can do weekly shows because it, it takes a lot out of you. And Tell me about it. it. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's a, it's a lot like, I mean, you do you do stand-up and stuff? I don't do stand-up. You, know, you look thought, like you do. Yeah, for some reason I thought you were a comedian. <laughs> it would seem like I would, <laughs> but I don't. But I do, I do a weekly show, and for a while I did two weekly shows. Mm -hmm. And the, just the, there was a lot of days where just sitting down to do the research mm -hmm. for, is it good for the Jews? Right. I'm like, geez, I don't know. I mean, and, and Frankie can speak to the fact that like running a daily show mm -hmm. uh, is, it's not for everybody. It, it's incredibly yeah. draining and just the cycle of coming up with new ideas and coming up with and yeah. sticking to the timeline and stuff like that. But the flip side is that you get, on the one hand, a constant contact with, with an audience base. And if you're able to you know, be a habit in their lives, that's a very that significant relationship. That was my thinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the second part of that is that you have, uh, very, like you have ever-growing inventory for advertising if you're able to sell into it, right? Compared to a seasonal show, which you can have it a lot more planning, uh, you can create experiences that are more deliberate, it's a little bit out of the box, but the problem is upstart marketing, so get, getting people aware of the fact that you're rolling out the season. Right, That's, they have to know yeah. you're coming. Yeah, and it's like, you know, you, we see these behaviors in our tele television watching lives all the time, just that we don't identify them as such, right? Like, Every, you know, the entire world was sort of like bending their heads to see, to check out when the next Game of Thrones season's coming out. But like with, you know, sh certain shows on Netflix, I don't, 
I don't really remember the the most recent season of Stranger Things. I didn't even know it came out when it did. <laughs> so there, you know, there are these sort of analog parallel questions um, that you can sort of like just draw out from these other places and kind of apply it into the thinking of the space. What about what I had mentioned earlier? Just different format types of shows lend themselves better to season versus weekly. I'm thinking of for my show, it isn't evergreen. Mm-hmm. We're always reacting to something that happened in the news. Yeah. So weekly is great because otherwise, you know, I went away this summer. Right. And I missed a month and a half, and all this stuff happened that I missed. Right. So there was all those chances for new content that we didn't create. Right. And it was gone forever. Yeah, the, the analog would be like, you know, SNL coming back after a little break, right? And it, to yeah. some extent, it's a very news-oriented, sh- like a news hooky show. They would miss like 36 Trump opportunities if Absolutely. they went away and, for and a month. Like, <laughs> it's for, for SNL hits, like a common refrain is, damn, I wish there were they were working right now so that we could see what the take was. Of course, mm. they're much weaker now than they were 20 years ago, but like that, that is still a feeling. And I think, I mean, the formatting, like, uh, you know, the place is very narrative, or you know, it's, it's, it's a story that you're telling and it's a lot of production, you know, goes behind it versus a chat show that, you know, A, is tied to a news story mm-hmm. and B, is a little bit simpler to produce to say the least, Oh my! right? I mean, so, I mean, I think the content again is just driving like what it should be and how often it should come out. Like that's another element of this. Along the lines of, of syndicates and, and growing a podcast stable, um, Nick, what are the disadvantages? Let's say you have an independent podcast and Podcast One calls you up and says, hey, we want you to be part of Podcast One. Here's a bag full of money. What are the disadvantages of that? What do you lose from that? Well, first of all, it's uh, look at a deal. <laughs> like, um, I, I see things... Uh, this sounds a little harsh. I see things transactionally, right? Whenever you want resources and somebody's in a position to give you resources, um, it's always a trade. And you have to make a choice with every step that you take. What do you want? And will you be able to live with what you're giving up to get the trade? Uh, I can speak specifically, or uh, I can speak generally to what you win and what you lose with a, with a network A versus network B because it, it really comes down to the, to what you want out of, out of your experience here. So I, uh, in addition to being uh, sort of a talking head and on shows like this, I'm an entrepreneur. I run a very small business, I run, I run a very niche and, and specific focused business. And there are opportunities and there are always sort of the questions you ask yourself, do I wanna get money from X place or do I wanna give up some control to, to Y place uh, in order to grow what I'm doing, maybe make a bit more money for me, the answer is always, it comes back down to, does this help me achieve what I want to do more? And for me, the answer is, I want to be able to pay my bills. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. I want to, and I want to do it without anybody telling me what to do. And so all these questions Equal apply to the very, very yeah. question. Yeah, to, to the nature of the questions you're asking. So I can't speak about Podcast One specific or any other podcast network that will approach, but look at the deal and look at what you want to give up. Okay. Speaking <laughs> as your lawyer. Speaking <laughs> as my lawyer. <laughs> You're, my fi- yeah. You're not billing us for this hour, I hope. No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, what about you guys with Boise State Public Radio? Why am I having such a hard time putting those words in order? Boise, Boise State, State Public, Public Radio. Or BSPR, as we like to call it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ha- have you ever considered how it would look different if you weren't affiliated with them? Frequently. Yes. Yeah, we have. Um, and that might be in the future that for us, certainly. 
Um, What's there to gain? Uh, more clear cut. See, I mean, we talk about being kind of in this this in between phase, and I think uh, then it's clarity with that, and clarity in terms of where, like, how we can grow. Um, because we have thoughts about that, about how we could grow uh, outside of it's a hyper local product. But there is no reason, uh, I guess I'll say that. Um, don't put it out there. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, and I think it's a good idea. Why not? Like a franchise, like a you know the place, Austin. Well, there's if it no. works in if it works in <laughs> Boise, there's no Clearly reason you were that, it, that, that it couldn't work <laughs> elsewhere uh, or or in Idaho. I guess I should say. Are you talking about having other people do the same thing, or just expanding your field? No, I, well, <laughs> it wouldn't work. I think if we're really trying to preserve the whole point of the podcast which is a very sense of place it wouldn't make sense to have us go parachute into other cities mm. and it's hard enough to do it i think in in cities that we don't live in right now in this state how far do you go as far as we we've can, gone as, a couple hours yeah, so as, far. as far as we get suggestions yeah. for but that's what you have to rely on your listeners who understand the purpose of your podcast and aren't just you know nominating the best or the only steakhouse in town you want to go to that thing in the corner that nobody knows about or is always wondering about yeah so I don't know, but we did when we started with the station and pitched the idea that we do retain the intellectual property rights. So we do have the okay. option to move on at whatever point. Um, and we made a separate website for that reason so that we could mm -hmm. kind of do things a little different. Uh, we have visions and dreams and directions and it's not, it's not to say that the station doesn't support it, but it just not, might not fall along their list of priorities where we'd like it to. So if we could take it and run with it mm -hmm. and, and get to our goals faster, then that's that's kind of our motivation behind yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's what, what it is. And I, I will say by and large, and I'm not just glossing over this either, by and large, the station's been fantastic. Um, throughout this whole this whole kind of endeavor but it is it is about i mean we just naturally uh, we're both writers at heart and so naturally we have different priorities you know than than the station has and that's necessary that's necessary that the station obviously is going to have different priorities so um so but that's really what it is also and i'll bring this back because you kind of spoke with frankie about this earlier about um you know if you were a podcaster in the community independent and you brought it to the station uh there are talks at the station about you know mm -hmm. we're poised to do audio storytelling well mm -hmm. what kind of role do we want to play in the community do we want to be a podcast incubator do we want to be able to work with people who have their own team and their own content and that just be able to kind of stamp our brand along with it and co-brand it's all yeah, is it production or is it just equipment and space yeah. like what what it's all up for discussion how did you determine who your audience is how do we determine who our audience is i mean you guys had a target audience when you set out for to do you know the place probably right yeah i mean i think we're really aware of what our demographics are like in terms of who's listening to on-demand content from the station and here locally. And then I think we also each have our own circles in town that we trot around in. Uh, so we use that to inform what our audience, we, what we thought they would look like. It, I don't know if we're still there. I think we've grown beyond it. Yeah, I think so. And then and then that has affected who we've gone and targeted in terms of sponsorship. I thought we would actually have more luck in some some of the um, kind of niche, you know, local retail places or, or, or experiential type of stuff. And for the most part, it has been um, state 
and government <laughs> programs hmm. that have reached out to us who see that we that we are reaching the people that they want to reach and that are signing on for that. And so we may adjust <laughs> a little bit to who we send, send it to. Um, because they're the ones, we've had plenty of people express uh, interest, but they're the ones who are actually pulling the trigger on it. Was it hard to accept that? Yeah, we want to be cool. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cool like MailChimp? I, I don't know. know. I, yeah. Um, yeah we, have certain, we have specific, specific businesses that we would love to have on board because, and I will say too, it seems like the, the different sponsors are, or the sponsors that work well um, for po some podcasters who, who actually voice their own spots, their floating ad breaks, I think it seems to work better if they're actually users of the product, mm -hmm. um, even just from a, you know, it feels more like social proof, I guess, at that point. Um, so for us, we have a couple different things where it's like, we use that, we use that, we use that for, for local businesses, um, even local manufacturers. So we've reached out to those ones and it's like, let's make this work. Let's make this work because we actually, you yeah, know, fun this, this product is featured, is already featured in, in a lot of our, uh, in a lot of our Instagram, you know, stories and everything too. And it hasn't, it hasn't happened so far. It's been, you know, um, it seems like the dream. Yeah. Doesn't it? Like, yeah, that would I be great. drink Coke all the time. Right. <laughs> it's so great to be paid right. to drink Coke. And I'm not, yeah, we're not, we're not expecting suddenly that we're going to get a crate of, of things, you know, uh, necessarily in the mail from them. That's, that's not what it is. It's just, it would be nice if it's something that we already uh, kind of evangelize about. And something tangible because we want to experiment with affiliate sponsorships. Yeah, very much but so. But stuff that we've, you know, the things that we've been able to acquire it don't aren't really working out that way. And that's fine. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Affiliate sponsorship, and that's a hard way to make money, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it would be a fun experiment. Yeah. Well, we're coming around the bend here, so I'm going to turn to Mr. Christian Wynn. Oh, yes. Questions that have remained unanswered from you, the purveyor of this podcast. Yes. What do you got in mind? You got anything in mind? So what are, you, what are you asking me? I'm asking if you got anything we haven't covered yet. Oh, here, today. I was trying to be creative. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, not really. I feel like we've covered quite a, quite a bit. Um, is this a good idea, Frankie, I guess? That was my last question. Is this podcast a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, uh, wow. I mean, would you, I won't put you on the spot like Is that, this good for the tree fort? How much? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. yeah, no, yeah, You've yeah. been a part of this is your chance to say tree yeah. fort forever. No. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hopefully it's my job. Yeah, Boise State Public Radio's partnership with StoryFord has been great in terms of, you know, bringing on different NPR and uh, public radio voices. Um, and yeah, I mean, you guys are all about story. This is another medium to tell stories. So uh, why not try? And again, I think that experimenting, you know, it doesn't seem like you have any, If as long as there's not major overhead and, and all of that that you're having to justify, I mean, why not try it, I guess. I know you guys are pretty scrappy, so. We're pretty scrappy. Why not? Uh, and Nick, podcast isn't a zero sum game, right? Us, us creating a podcast is not gonna step on their toes. People will listen to as many podcasts as there are. Uh, there's only so many times in the day. There's only so <laughs> many uh, people in the world. So many English speakers. No, I absolutely not. I, it's not a zero-sum game. Um, it is a very difficult question. It, it's it sort of you know comes into the core creative question of anything that that's anything ever. Everybody who's ever made is this worth somebody's time? Right. That 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 is the question, not whether it's a zero-sum game. 
Well, we are out of time. With that, we'll end. I, I wanted I, the whole time. I knew I wanted to end with the words from wisdom from Nick over here. Uh, words from wisdom. Call Drop your mom. Call. Stay hydrated. Okay. Uh, wear wear sunscreen. I am staying Pay hydrated. Pay your tickets. Yes. <laughs> staying very hydrated. All right. Pay off so your credit deal. card bills first. <laughs> yeah. This has been Story Four presents. We'd like to thank our guests. I'll have them go around the table one more. Introduce themselves one more time. I'm Frankie Barnhill with Boise State Public Radio. Lacey Daly with You Know the Place. You Know the Place. I'm Joel Wayne with You Know the Place as well. Nicole Hot Pod. Hot Pod. That's Christian Wynn. Christian I'm Wynn. Larry Rosen. We'd like to thank Tree Fort. We'd like to thank the Eavesdrop Podcast Network. That's ease-drop.com. Until next time, I'll see you at the fest. But tomorrow never came.